Welcome to the Seattle Public Library's podcasts of author readings and library events. Library podcasts are brought to you by the Seattle Public Library and Foundation. All right. Mic check. I've been waiting all day to see who are the people who would be brave enough to deal with the intense weather to come and celebrate this movie. Give yourselves a round of applause. So, my name is Davida Ingram, and I'm the Public Engagement Programs Manager, and I have to say, we opened Streetwise on September 15th, and we just found out that over 7,000 people have come to see that exhibition. And it's photographed by the photographer Mary Ellen Mark. And tonight we have a film by her husband, Martin Bell. And we also have a conversation. You can clap. Feel free to clap. Um, so I have just some, um, some important things to say because we have to say thank yous and we want to set up the evening. But the one thing that I know about public programs at the library is that we're audience-driven, and tonight is a night where we have a program that's pretty tightly choreographed. So is it okay if I just tell you a little bit about how the evening is going to work? And then I'm going to bring up my friend and former colleague, Colin Men, who's going to tell you a little bit more. Um, so just for starts, tonight's program is co-presented with All Home Building Changes, Mockingbird Society, and Washington Low Income Housing Alliance. And we also want to thank our community partners for Streetwise Revisited. So that's the City of Seattle's Office of Arts and Culture, Seattle Art Museum, Seattle University's Project on Family Homelessness, United Way of King County, the YWCA Seattle, King County, uh, King County Snohomish, Photographic Center Northwest, Columbia Legal Services, Youth Speak Seattle. And of course, this program would not be possible without the support from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Seattle Public Library Foundation. And the exhibition was made possible with images from Aperture. A few things for tonight. First of all, most of us have a phone with us tonight. If you could put your phone on silent, but keep it handy. We will have advocates who will be sharing some insights right after the film, and you can join the conversation by using the hashtag StreetwiseSPL. So please feel free to use social media to share your comments, but we will be curating questions at the end of the night for Aaron and Martin. And um, I'm ready to hand it off to Colin Men. And before I bring Colin up, I just want to say, Colin brought this project to us about 18 months ago, and it's taken a lot of hard work and a lot of effort, and it all came from his vision and him understanding that the arts can be a really powerful way to have a conversation about addressing youth and family homelessness. So on a night like tonight when the weather is harsh and when things are really uncomfortable to be outside, it's a really important night to think about how we can make sure that everybody has a home. So I'd like to bring Colin up. Thank you. Well, thanks so much, Davida. Uh, on behalf of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, I'd like to welcome you all and thank you all so much for turning out tonight. You know, there really are so many people who work so hard to put this exhibition uh, together. And so in particular, I'd like to thank uh, Valerie Wonder, 
Jody Fenton, and Davida Ingram from the Seattle Public Library, and Catherine Henriksen, Catherine's right here from Seattle University, um, for the tireless energy that they put into making all of this possible. You know, this team has planned and run over uh, 12 to 15 public programs associated with this exhibition, screenings, lectures, and tours, as well as a two-month permanent exhibition up on the eighth floor. And so it's really been amazing to see all of this work come together. I'd also like to welcome Martin Bell, the director of tonight's film, to, film to sunny Seattle. Martin? You know, Martin, um, I think, showed his true commitment to this project by flying in just before the storm of the century. And uh, we really appreciate him being here with us tonight. And, of course, most importantly, I'd like to thank Erin Blackwell and her family for being here. <laughs> you know, the courage that Erin has shown in letting the world into her life through these projects over the past 30 years has really been nothing short of remarkable, and it's been a tremendous gift. So we're so pleased that she could be here uh, tonight. You know, so much has changed in Seattle over the 32-year period that spanned in the movie that you're about to see tonight. If you think back on where you were 32 years ago, I think some of you weren't here to remember that. Um, but for those of you who were, just to take you back, uh, Ronald Reagan was president. He was about to go on to defeat Walter Mondale in November. Uh, Booth Gardner was about to become governor of Washington. And the mayor of Seattle at the time was Charlie Royer. Microsoft, Starbucks were still relatively small companies that were just starting to hit the big time. Amazon didn't exist. Uh, in 1984, Mark Zuckerberg was born. Uh, mobile phones cost about $4,000 a piece and were larger than a brick. And perhaps most notably, uh, the median home price in King County was less than $80,000. And today, it's over $500,000. So the point of all of this is not to make us feel old, although it probably does. It's just to say that we live in a very different city and in a very different time than we did when Streetwise first came out. And yet, despite all of these changes, when it comes to homelessness, to inequity, to the plight of men, women, and children living on the streets of our city, as tonight's movie all too depressingly shows, very little has changed over the past 32 years. And in fact, things have gotten far worse. The federal government has continued to cut back on its investments in public and affordable housing, and resources dedicated to serving the neediest among us have continued to be slashed. And that brings us to tonight. And you know, really, the purpose of this exhibition is to start a much-needed, large community conversation about what we've been doing or what we haven't been doing here in this city about homelessness over the past three decades, and to ground that discussion in the experience of real people. And I think too frequently, uh, the issue of homelessness can come across just as an abstract policy discussion, and we lose track of what really is at stake. And it's art 
that can really remind us of what matters, whether it's through photography or films or literature. It's art that can really show us how every person experiencing homelessness is a real person worthy of dignity, respect, and the opportunity to live a productive and healthy life. And that's what this film gives us tonight, a chance to reflect on that message. That's the gift that Martin and Mary Ellen and Aaron have really given us. And so we're so grateful to them for providing us with this opportunity to be together, and most importantly, to discuss where we go from here. So with that, I think we can roll the film. Thank you all for being here tonight. How's everybody doing? That was a big film, right? Right now, I'd love to bring down Liz Troutman and Mark Putnam, who are going to be two advocates who are going to just join us for a moment to help us sit and think through some of the issues that bubbled up in the film as they concern youth and family homelessness. And as they're getting seated, I just wanted to introduce Mark Putnam. Um, Mark Putnam has worked with government, philanthropy, service providers, and people experiencing homelessness. He's also helped develop effective strategies to move people out of poverty and homelessness through stable housing, health care, education, and employment. He's the director of All Home, a coalition of housing advocates that strives to make homelessness rare, brief, and one-time. So Mark Putnam. Mark is also being joined by Liz Troutman. Um, Liz joined the Mockingbird Society in September, 20, uh, September 2016, so very recently. And she supports their child welfare and homelessness youth advocacy agenda. Liz is also the former communications and public policy manager at Youth Care, where she focused on funding and policies to address youth and young adults young adult homelessness. Um, as a graduate student at the University of Washington, Liz obtained her MPA and joined the Peace Corps Master's International Program, and she served in the West African nation of Benin. So please welcome Liz as well. So just kind of taking a step back for, our, for Mark and Liz, and feel free to answer in whatever order you like. Um, Tiny, the life of Aaron Blackwell kind of grapples with a 30-year timeline in Seattle. So we're looking back at the past, so at a time when we didn't have YouTube cell phones, and then on to the present. So that film was shot when Seattle was considered one of the most livable cities, and here we are 30 years later in the middle of a huge housing crisis. So how can we make sure that youth who are in care and or homeless youth do not end up heading households that constantly struggle with transition and homelessness. Thank you. Um, thanks for uh, having me here today. Um, that was the first time I'd seen that movie. A few weeks ago, I saw I saw Streetwise for the first time as well. And both movies are and films are really uh, really powerful. Um, 
I grew up in, in Seattle in the, in the 1980s and remember it looking like that, but had a much different experience as a child. Um, and uh, to, to sort of see the, the arc of this, the city sort of through these, through these images, I think, is really powerful. Um, a lot has changed over the past uh, 30 years here, I'd say. You know, one of the things that, that we can do to, um, to ensure that the youth that are growing up in, in Seattle and King County and acro across the state um, can have stable lives is, is, um, is really about housing. So we're seeing huge housing um, cost increase in our community and, and not enough housing units. So many people moving here, not enough units. Um, really seeing homelessness rise every every time uh, rent goes up $100, we're seeing homelessness go up 15 to, to 20% each year. So it's really, really a big factor. Um, but for young people, um, you know, I think Liz will talk about this a little bit too, is that we know that so many young people that we see um, at, at organizations like Youth Care and Mockingbird Society um, really want to want jobs and education. They need a, they need a future. They've got so many years ahead of them and and I think um, that's really the most important thing that we can do. Everybody obviously needs a roof over their head, but they need a way to pay for it um, for, for, the, uh, for the rest of their lives, right? And so giving people that opportunity and education, I think, is really the most important thing. Yeah, I completely agree with Mark. And I will say that I am uh, still definitely feeling um, that incredibly powerful film and just want to acknowledge Erin uh, and her family who shared an incredibly uh, intimate portrait of their lives over the last uh, 30 years, um, and that takes a lot of courage, and so thank you for, for sharing that with us. Um, what we do at the Mockingbird Society is work with youth um, and families to improve the foster care system and end youth homelessness, and I think the question of, you know, how do we, how do we address these issues really kind of starts with asking people who um, have been impacted by these, by these issues. So at the Mockingbird Society, our youth advocates have identified the solutions that they think will help, again, improve the foster care system and end youth homelessness. And as Mark said, one of those really key areas is the education system. I think in the, in the movie, at multiple points, um, different people talked about the role of schools, both good and bad, um, in their lives, and, and points where schools were uh, a really supportive factor and points where schools were not. So I think we really need to look at, um, at the education system and uh, provide opportunities for every young person who's in that education system to have the support they need to thrive. And that's something that the youth that we're working with have been uh, very interested in for, for a number of years. Uh, they've also identified you know, access to stable housing, uh, caring and supportive adults, support for families so that um, they don't have to necessarily uh, be uh, separated or that there are ways to sort of work to reunify families. So I think, again, going back to um, the, the ideas and the experiences of people directly impacted by the system is one way forward. I'm going to go back. Um, we're, we're missing a panelist because the weather has been pretty, pretty chaotic lately. So we, d we don't have one of our panelists, but she was thoughtful enough to send a question that I want to throw back to Liz and Mark. And so this is from Katara Jordan. Katara is an incredible advocate, and she works a lot on thinking about the ways that when families are in transition that their young people don't lose out on educational opportunities. So this is a question that she sent. 
Um, she says, there's been a lot of momentum focused on supporting schools to help end homelessness. Since schools are in every community, how can K-12 schools and post-secondary schools, so that's colleges, best play a role in supporting families and youth experiencing homelessness? And also, are there efforts currently underway to better incorporate schools into this work? I can, I can start again on that one. Um, yeah, I think there really are. And Katara's really been a leader on this. It's, uh, it's too bad she couldn't be here tonight. But she and the work that she's done at Columbia Legal Services and now at Building Changes um, have been really, really key. There's an there's a, um, effort called Schoolhouse WA, uh, Schoolhouse Washington, um, that's really been spotlighting the issue of homelessness among kids across the state. There's about 30,000 um, kids each year, students um, in the K-12 system that are experiencing homelessness, um, and they're really spotlighting that issue. And then the past couple of years really made some significant efforts um, in Olympia um, at the state legislature in passing a couple of different, different bills called the School Stability Act, which is helping to identify kids in schools and connect them with housing and services if they're needing that, if they're, un if they're unstably housed. Um, and then um, some other efforts um, through the Homeless Youth Act um, to provide some funding to, to agencies to really help um, young people who are, uh, who are, who are un unstably housed or, or really on the streets. Um, so those efforts are, are been, I think, really, really key. She's been a real key leader around that. A lot of people that are here, um, Colin and others as well. Um, so I would say that those are the most important things going on. Each school district... Um, has somebody that is um, is a liaison is supposed to be working with kids and identifying kids that might be experiencing homelessness and then connecting them to housing and services. But it's been a really underfunded um, approach. Like there's only one person in an entire school district usually, um, and so they're stretched very thin. Um, and so both of those uh, those those bills, particularly the School Stability Act, add some resources to be able to help identify and connect people to services. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think uh, the youth in our Youth Advocates Ending Homelessness program actually identified uh, school supports as the issue that they wanted to work on this year leading up to next legislative session and noting that even though we've added some resources to those um, school liaisons, that really in every single school there needs to be somebody who is able to identify and connect um, young people who need help to services. And that we've definitely gotten a start towards that and they have... Um, expressed an interest in, in seeing more done on that level. And there's, so that's like a pretty big thing. That would take a lot of money that will, um, it'll be uh, a challenge, I think, this year. Um, but there are also really small things that, that we can do, things like helping um, another proposal that came out of uh, one of our youth chapters is um, ensuring that uh, youth in foster care who change schools mid-school year get partial credit and are able to transfer that credit from school to school. It happens sometimes, it's sort of a case-by-case -case basis, but having a policy whereby that happens um, for every young person who's, who's transferring schools due to a foster care placement. So I think there are these big kind of um, macro level issues, things that will take a lot of our collective will and a lot of our work together, and then there are um, some, some things that might seem obvious or things that seem like, oh, th that should be easy to fix. Um, and so if we can do kind of both things, we'll be on the right track. All right. I'm going to ask um, Mark and Liz for closing remarks, but I also want to engage the audience just for a second. Um, how are you all thinking about 
the ways that libraries and schools can support families in transition. If you happen to have um, your cell phone and you use social media, if you use the hashtag Streetwise SPL, the library is very interested in the ways that you'd like to see us support families in transition. Um, and I also want to remind you, because we're after Mark and Liz head off the stage, we'll be bringing Aaron and Martin on to help close out the program. And I want to remind you to share your comments. So if you can pass your comments down, and we'll also end the night asking for your opinion again. So don't forget the surveys. But with that in mind, back to Mark and Liz, and you all can flip a coin to see who goes first. Um, what are some of your closing remarks after just reflecting on the film and thinking about your really important work as advocates? What are some things you'd like the audience to keep thinking about? Sure, and I'll go real fast because I know everyone's waiting to, to hear from, from Aaron and Martin. Um, I think I would just leave you with um, all of you that are here um, uh, can do uh, something. I think you should all I hopefully be feel empowered to to help um, on this issue of homelessness to find what your passion is and what one of your skills are how you might be able to contribute um, so either whether it's something as simple as smiling and being kind to somebody that you see that's experiencing homelessness or helping them find a job or find housing so um, I just ask you to, to to think about what you can do and and spread the word really about this film and about um, art like this as Colin said that can really make a difference and really connect us with uh, with people um, who, who are very similar to us. They just don't, they just don't have homes. So. Yeah, I agree with Mark, and I would also say, you know, th this is a great opportunity to take action as well um, around uh, voting and getting involved with issues at the local level or the state level or the federal level. Um, I think this film does an incredible job telling individual stories, um, and those individual stories are connected to our larger systems that we have a lot of control over. We can make choices about how we want those systems to work and the resources that go into those systems and the types of supports that we provide to people in our community. Um, so I would just encourage everyone to consider how you can take action to improve the systems around you. Can we give a round of applause for Martin, for Mark and Liz? Thank you. Um, so now is when we'd like to bring Martin Bell and Aaron Blackwell up to the stage. Would it be okay, I know you spent a tremendous amount of time with Aaron right now, but would you all be okay if I introduced her? Yeah? It was actually, I think, my, the most fun out of putting this program together was talking to Erin about how she wants to introduce herself. So um, this is what she said. Erin is the star of the documentary Tiny, The Life of Erin Blackwell. She's also featured in Streetwise, an iconic film that documented the lives of young people who are experiencing homelessness in the early 1980s. She is kind, nice, honest, and the proud mother of 10 children. She lives in Seattle, and when she is not seeing about her active family, she is pursuing her passion with furniture, and one of her lifelong dreams is to make a community space for people who left home, especially children, to have a safe space. So please welcome Erin Blackwell.
And Erin and I were talking off to the side, and one thing that she mentioned is that, um, and, I'll let, and I want Erin to speak for herself, but that um, Q&As like this are tough because she's a private person. So are we all okay supporting her tonight and, and having the conversation go where she wants to go? All right. And I, we can't forget about Martin because he's an incredible filmmaker. But um, is it all right if I throw a question out to you two and then we can get the questions from the audience? Um, okay. You two have a friendship that's pretty remarkable because it spanned 30 years. And you've also had pr some pretty major transitions in that friendship. It's, I think as I've gotten a chance to know you, watching your credits are really moving. And as we close out the program, it just makes us wonder if you might share your thoughts on, your, on Mary Ellen's legacy and what you think the importance of that is and why this story is special enough to share in Seattle but also beyond. So could you start with Mary Ellen and her legacy because that's been important for us and anything else you want to share about the journey you've made in these 30 years? Well, I thought she was the police. Yeah. And then I ran into her the next night and just talked to her and found out what she wanted to do. So one of the questions are, um, and I think it's from Norman. Norman says, hi. Hi. How are all of the kids doing now? I was also curious because um, with Norman's question, if he also was thinking about Renasia, would you want to give us an update on Renasia? Um, so the question was, how are all the kids doing? And it made me think that we ended the film looking at Renasia in the hospital. Did you want to give an update on how she's doing? Well, Renasia is now home with me. She came home on Monday after seven months of at Children's Hospital. So now she's at home with me and just waiting on a caretaker to come and help. It's a lot of work. Erin's a hard-working woman. Um, we're going to go to the next question. We have time for, I think, three questions. And again, we collected comments. We just happen to be tight for time tonight, so I'll go to the next question. This one says, what supports did you feel you needed at the different stages of your life that you didn't have? I, th I, I think this is a question for Tiny. And what supports did you have that were the most helpful? For me, it's I got tired of doing what I was doing, and I had to change myself. Really, there was no, I mean, there was a lot of support. Well, I can't say a lot, but there was some places that was supportive, but it was up to me. I wasn't, didn't want it. And so, till years later. So it really depends on who wants the help. Thank you. Okay, so the question is, the challenges youth and families face are often multi-generational. So it, it goes from parent to child and from our parents to, to their children. So what do you think might work to break cycles when, when families are experiencing poverty or other things that are hard for them to go through? What do you think? That's a hard question. Yeah. I mean, it really depends on the person. They have to, for somebody that's been through something, they, the child has to, to break that cycle. That's what's going to stop everything. 
Yeah, it sounds like it was a question about healing. I was thinking about, do you remember that time when we were talking on the phone? And I was saying, gosh, your story is so powerful. And you found a way to be generous with your story so people go there with you. And one of the questions that I asked was about healing because I noticed that in the film you see spaces where your family's just definitely gone through a hard time. But then what really stood out for me is that you're all together. So you left home, but your 10 children are with you all throughout that film. So what do you think is happening in your family that makes that possible? Well, the cycle with me hasn't totally broke, but I'm trying to do better. As I've gotten older, it's a little different. So um, gosh, I can't really answer that. I mean, it just. Do you mind if I bounce it back to the audience? Do you all think that Aaron is doing a remarkable job with being resilient? I knew it was going to be hard to transition for this Q&A because, I don't know, Aaron, I think you probably see that people are really taken with your story, and thank you for sharing it with us. We do have one last um, speaker um, who that who we wanted to bring out because the whole intention of this project with Streetwise Revisited wasn't simply to make the whole issue of youth and family homelessness rest on one person, but it was to get us as a community to think about what each and every one of us can do to address youth and family homelessness. So with that in mind, I would love to bring up Rachel. Um, Rachel is executive director of the Washington Low Income Housing Alliance, and I'm all ready to give you this mic. So go for it. <laughs> Thank you, Davida. Um, gosh, there's not a whole lot left to say, which is good since I think I've got about a minute to say it in. Erin, um, thank you so much um, for sharing your story in that way and Martin for making that happen. Um, my organization is the Washington Low Income Housing Alliance. We do public policy advocacy, mostly at the state level. We also work sometimes on federal issues and local issues. Um, we do a lot of storytelling within our advocacy work, and the reason we do that is that, um, like I think Colin sort of reflected on, it's a way to make policies and budgets and, you know, the sort of big picture solutions real, and those are the things that frequently decision makers, lawmakers, elected officials remember when they're deep into like the late night budget negotiations. They remember stories from people who are being impacted by the decisions that they make. So storytelling is really, really powerful for making social change. Um, so thank you so much for that. We heard a number of solutions um, from Mark and Liz when they were, when they were sitting here a few minutes ago. Um, it's not, it, it's, it's a complicated issue. We've heard that a few times tonight, but there are a lot of things that we know help families, help people experiencing homelessness. There are a lot of steps that we could take and we've got plenty of ideas and plenty of ways to make change. What's missing is not the good ideas for policy and the good ideas for where we should be investing our resources. What's missing is the political will to do that. So the good news about that is that that's something that everybody, any individual, whether you're a policy expert, a homelessness expert, um, someone who just heard about this program when you were at the library last week and decided to come tonight, that's something that all of us can do something about And so my just closing ask for you is to find an organization like the Washington Low Income Housing Alliance, like the Mockingbird Society, 
and connect with us, we work very hard to make it as easy as possible for individuals to take action, um, to come to Olympia if you want to do that. We both have advocacy days. The Housing Alliance has an annual advocacy day this year. It's on February 2nd. Um, Homeless Youth Advocacy Day is on February 10th. Um, we, you can grab a flyer up here. You can also grab a copy of Mockingbird Times, which Liz referred to, um, includes some of the ideas that the young people that they work have have um, come up with that they have said will help people like them and will help them improve their experiences, changes to the foster care system and that sort of thing. Um, so you can sign up for Mockingbird Times or Mockingbird Societies. Legislative updates, you can grab a copy of Mockingbird Times. You can get a flyer for Advocacy Day. Um, you can go to our website, the Washington Low Income Housing Alliance. Just Google it, easy to find, um, and sign up for our list, and we'll let you know how you can make your voices heard. And I encourage you to do that. Again, share the movie, share your passion for this, um, and share the need for all of us to speak up and ask for things to be different. And thank you again for being here tonight. More than anything, I'd love to thank Martin and Aaron for taking some time to spend time with us and to thank our audience for coming out on such a really, really bad weather night. So thanks to everybody. Can we give them a round of applause? Thank you. This podcast was presented by the Seattle Public Library and Foundation and made possible by your contributions to the Seattle Public Library Foundation. Thanks for listening.